walking here. Manadeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to face2facegames.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Topic Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall. I'm here with Michael. No, no, this is not Michael J. I'm here with Roman Fusco. Hello, hello. Is this actually your first appearance on the Top 8 Magic podcast? I think it is. I can't remember how many episodes of Top 8 I've actually edited. It is in the dozens, probably. In, in, a, in a shocking <laughs> turn of events for our listeners, they find out that the podcast is edited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, this is my first time on Top 8 Magic, so thanks you, thank you for having me. That's awesome. Uh, you, you've you done a podcast with Michael J. Separately, you guys did, what, Ancestral Recall? Yes, when I was back at, uh, when I was living in New York at NYU, Flores and I would record Ancestral Recall like once a week at, at Tisch. Um, and I know, he, you know, at the same time, you were probably recording Top 8 here and there. Or not. Yeah, or, yeah, or not. <laughs> um but yeah, since then we haven't recorded as much since I moved to Los Angeles about five years ago. Okay. So I've only seen you know you and, and Mike at events here and there when I've come back to the East Coast for a week or so. Right. Worth, worth noting, you'll you'll hear some background noise, no jackhammers, but you will <laughs> uh, unless someone opens one in a new Capenna pack. We're we're at MagicCon Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, we're we're actually in the main hall where day two of the last of, is, is this day two of the ptq this is, this is, oh yeah it's top eight of the pro tour which but is day all, three of the pro tour day yeah. three of the pro tour but there's also a ptq for just uh pro tour competitors who didn't qualify for barcelona oh, okay. happening it's okay. a re and i think it's a four slaughter okay yeah and then, you know didn't they also do something where like the PTQs cut to a top 32? Yeah, so at MagicCon, um, separately, on Friday and Saturday, they had two PTQs where it was seven rounds of Swiss, cut to top 32, um, break into four draft pods, and then the winner of each draft pod would queue for the, the Pro Tour. Awesome, and that all happened in one day each That's, time? Yeah, that all happened already. It, okay. it, it was crazy. I mean, those events started at like 11 a.m., and they think they ended at around like midnight wow. or something. Wow, wow. So just slightly after the Pro Tour ended each day. Pro Tour it was a lo- it was long days. It looked like yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild for me, you know, to be here. I'm just like not doing all that stuff. So I'm yeah. like, I just have like glimpses of what's going on at the Pro Tour. Right, pretty right. exciting top eight though. Yeah, I mean, like, I've known Nathan for a couple of years now, and that kid is just on fire. Yeah, he, I, he just is top eighting and winning like everything. I mean, like, Autumn's in the top eight; they're great. Um, Simon Nielsen. Um, I'm really excited for Simon, by the way. This is his first tabletop Pro Tour top eight. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know. yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's he's had, you know, he had the World uh, Magic Cup, you know, the, obviously the amazing Dane Blast mm-hmm. and, and these really cool moments. But I, I know he's like, a, you know, Pro Tour historian of his own. Like, he, he loves right, it. Right, right. And I think it was really important. I know it was really important for him to get that great. tabletop top eight. So I'm super excited for him. Yeah, Kane Reinhardt, too. This is his first uh, Pro Tour top eight. I'm probably saying his, his name wrong, but he's someone who I, I played against like in a bunch of different kind of SCG tournaments over the years. Yeah, so, and, someone else said that, um, that he was an SCG like uh, all-star. Yeah, he, he's a great player, too. So I'm, I'm super excited for, for them to be in, be in top eight. But, but what about you? Why? What, so I'm here, you know, I, I, was, I did a panel with uh, Megan and Maria from Good Luck High Five. Nice. Uh, and just hanging out, catching up with some people I haven't seen in a while. Um, but 
What 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 brings you here? You were not this. You weren't qualified for the pro tour. I was not. Um, I still have not queued for a oh, PT. Okay. I did, and during the pandemic, towards the end, I did have a really good. Um, I top aided the Channel Fireball um, Las Vegas event, which was like a thousand person limited tournament. They had like a modern and limited. They were they were essentially GPS. Yeah. But with no PT invites, I think. Right. Right. Um, and that was one that Nathan Nathan Holiday won. Oh, okay. Um, uh, he was he was super cool. We played in, in top eight. Um, I like so, Nathan a lot. Yeah, I, I've been playing, I still play competitive. Um, I was queued for the last two regional championships. Um, and I'm, I still want to play on the tour. I've been doing a lot with um, work on the side and then also um, trying to cultivate a really great limited community in Los Angeles. And that's been going really well. Oh, fantastic. I want to talk to you more um, about that. There's a bunch of different things, but the, the reason I'm, I'm here this weekend was, you know, I, I did play a PTQ. Um, did not make the cutoff. Um, I played like the secret lair event um, yesterday. Uh, I'm just kind of here hanging out with friends and it's doing a bunch of little things and, and catching up. So it's been it's been a great weekend and I really love the the MagicCon experience as a whole. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing. But you're also taking a little bit of a victory lap, right? Like for yeah. for for a pretty major accomplishment where you blended your professional career and your hobby. Why'd you tell people? what what's kind of like this career highlight for you right yeah now. so super exciting announcement i got to work on the march of the machine cinematic trailer that's so cool i'm so it happy so for you. cool yeah so um i so i've been working at um this post-production audio studio in los angeles called formosa group they're probably one of the biggest post-production companies in the world uh, mainly for for audio um they've worked on anything from like dune to game of thrones um our, our sound team is they have a very very accomplished film and television sound team but they also have a a video game um department that i've been working in for the last year so i've gone to work on games like the last of us part one god of war ragnarok um i did a lot of work on this game called the callisto protocol it's like a sci-fi horror game for the ps5 but what's what's really cool is that um my company we do all of the sound design and mix for all of the Magic the Gathering cinematic trailers. So everything from War of the Spark until now that you've watched, um, all of the the mixing, all of the sound effects, the voiceover, that's all us. Right. Super, now, did you yeah. did you know that going into the job? I did. Okay. Um, it, it, it was. It's actually really funny. Were you, I, were you trying to play it super casual? Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was really funny because when I I think I, I applied for the position I have I have now and I interviewed and I didn't get it. And then um, I was really like disheartened about it. And then a few months later, the same um, hiring person reached out to me. They were like, "We need someone to join like immediately on, on the team." Oh, and it was super exciting. I got to I got to join. Um, and um, I was so yeah, I was super excited about that. We work on all the match trailers. Um, uh, Patrick Ginn is our lead mixer for all of those. So he is the one that kind of oversees all of the design who's in contact with Watsi the most and all the and all the meetings and he's the one kind of doing all the polishing and the, the majority of the design on those trailers. And I originally was going to work on the Dominaria United trailer, which was like Teferi and a Johnny fight. Yeah. Um but I was I was in some crazy overtime 
um, working on the last phase of the Callisto protocol. So I didn't get to work on it, but my my boss Patrick was you know he showed me all the behind the scenes work on the trailer, which is really really cool. Do, do they lean on your magic knowledge at all, or, or is oh, everybody giant magic so nerds? This is, this is like, no, so no one. What's what's funny is like we have people that are coming that play games, but like no one really plays the games we work on. So he had, he's never touched a magic card. Pat, this is Patrick. He's never touched a magic card, and I remember he messaged me. Um, this is like back in this like summer a year ago and he goes what does phyrexian mean <laughs> and i'm like boy do i have so much to tell you um because the first thing that he was working on was the teaser for dominaria united which was the reveal that johnny is a sleeper agent where it's um it, it, spoilers it, spoiler uh and it, it, that's a really great trailer for sound design because the trailer transitions from a johnny talking normally and then um, the sort of dark tone takes over and all the Phyrexian voice processing um, comes out. And it's a really cool, it was really cool to see the behind the scenes of how um, Patrick was able to design that and flow from the kind of normal Ajani and then this like crazy plot twist that he's a sleeper agent. Um, and that was, that was uh, really cool to see. Um, so I remember he, he messaged me a while ago about uh, what, what's Phyrexian, how Watsy was giving them some some tips on how to create that sound or what, what they wanted it to, to sound like. I think, um, and and I remember he was asking if, if we'd ever, if Phyrexian had ever been heard uh, um, heard before. Cause, you oh, know, interesting. Yeah, because right. you know, it, it's on all the cards, but there's no like physical media out there of what a Phyrexian should sound like. But I, there was one example that exists, which is the new Phyrexia trailer from like 20... 11 i oh, say yeah sure yeah that is um, which does which is the first example of uh uh audio phyrexian audio right so i i had i had him use that as like a, you know a, a, some research I yeah guess. yeah yeah point of reference um, sure and it's funny because i when i started playing magic i started in scars of mirrodin um so it was cool that we were starting to work on all these magic products that are all about the phyrexian you know this phyrexian arc um when 13 years ago when I first started playing in high school, I was, um, um, I had been playing during that, that arc. That's awesome. Um, now you, you were, th this is not something you fell into career wise. This is like what you went to school for. This is what you want to do. Yeah. I, when I first went to NYU, I was, not really sure what I wanted to do. I, I went for film, and I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted um, to, to do. But um, I, I really fell in love in my freshman year with, with audio design. And it was one of the first classes that I took was uh, creating stories um, just based, based off sound with no visuals. Um, and so I think from there, I did kind of, I did in a, in a way fall into it because sound designers and and people that were interested in sound at nyu were were very hard um to come by yeah and so a lot of so i, I worked a ton on like student film sets and and stuff like that so, um, so, so how do you go from there to being somehow involved with the podcast with the known worst audio in the history of magic <laughs> podcasts um i've i've done my best okay um <laughs> I'm not blaming it on you. It's historical. Like that's, that's the arc of the podcast. 
yeah. you know, it's recorded on like little tiny devices. It's recorded in the streets. It's recorded in a convention hall. Right. And I, I know for Ancestral Recall, we were actually recording in Tish in like a sound booth with with microphones. And, you know, we had a couple episodes where we were on the street in this, and we could call it in the style of Top Eight Magic back right. then. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I fell into it because, you know, I was doing Ancestral Recall with, with, with Mike, and then I know, like, face-to-face -face games need someone to kind of take over the Top 8 Magic podcast, so it was a good fit for me to start working on that. I think during the pandemic or around that time, I was working yeah. on your... And you, I know you and Zvi were recording a bunch, too, and yeah. I was working on all those, those episodes. Now, um, so you talked about your relationship, Mike. You, you, you sort of fill this, like, legacy of roles of, like... You know, Mike, Mike's, uh, you know, magic mentees, you know, like what, what's yeah, that? Yeah, we can, we, can, we can phrase it that way. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I mean, certainly from Mike's perspective. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, yeah, okay, I'm kidding. No, definitely Mike, Mike has been a huge inspiration for my game. And um, a lot of my success in magic has come from me playing the modern burn deck, which I don't think I would, I would have ever picked up with not for, for Mike. Right, right. What, what, what's that? What, what is that? Um, What's that experience like? I mean, just just coming meet, meeting someone who I assume you had some yes. admiration or knowledge of before you started talking to him. Like, how, what's that? What's that dynamic like of getting sort of? And and, and this is going to lead me into talking about what you're doing in LA, mm -hmm. magic wise. But like, what's it like getting pulled into that social circle, right? And, and that you know the right. social aspect around games where people are handing stuff down or, or making people better or pulling people up to their level. Right, and I, I think for, for Mike, um, Mike was definitely someone I knew of beforehand. I remember in 2013, so I, I think I, I went to, I, I moved to New York in the fall of 2014. In 2013, I went to an SEG tournament, and I remember my, my best friend um, uh, pointed out uh, Mike across the room, and he's like, that, that's the guy that like designed this like band hexproof deck and standard constructed it. I'm like, oh, cool, like, I, I know who that is, and you know, I remember um, I actually met you and Mike one of the first times I went to that store, the Uncommons in New York. Oh, sure. When you were playing Standard, I think there was an, an SCG Invitational happening <coughs> a week or two later, and, and, you know, Mike crushed me. Or, um, and then um, Mike crushed me again in, like, the finals of a Grand Prix trial on a Tuesday night at, like, 2 a.m. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think that... There's a, I think our, our dynamic has been really cool over the years because I don't think he had, he, 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 he wanted maybe a, a disciple to outpour this knowledge. Yes, yeah, to, of course. Right. But, but for me, it, you know, as someone who was trying to get better at magic and I, I was starting to get, I, because I had more freedom as a college student, I was starting to have this idea of, oh, I want to play in these competitive events and, and travel and, and do better. Right. right? Um, and after getting beaten like the, you know, in the finals of a, a, tour, a 32 person tournament against Mike, you know, I figured that I, I at least I can do this again, but I want to be doing, I want to be on the level that he is. Right. Right. And it, it's funny because I mean, there, there, there's a, I think what I've learned overall is, you know, I do, there's some things I take with a grain of salt that Mike will say or decks he'll throw at me to tell me to play. There was a number of times I played some, some crazy decks at like PTQs or that were just duds that. That's, he, that's the tax. Yeah, that, that was that was the tax. That's but, the tax. But think on the flip side of that, where you know, I in the in the this the winter, like February of twenty seventeen, where I had like gone a, a bad breakup and I was like really down on myself, and I on a whim went to this like SCG tournament, like at a regional regional championship, 
um, in like Catskill, New York, um, because a PPTQ on, on the same day had, had capped. Right. And I brought the burn deck that, you know, and I, it was, this was, you know, not too far long after I had talked with Mike about how to win a PTQ and reading that article. And I won that tournament on, on camera. And that kind of launched my confidence into playing more competitive magic and having like the success that I do. And I owe a lot of that to Mike. Right. Um, I wouldn't have played that deck. I would have had that confidence in myself to get to that point if, if, if not for him. Right. right. So that, that's the benefit right. of all and that. Let, right. Let me, let me, <laughs> and let me clarify. I mean, I, cause again, I think even to this day, people will sometimes, you know, that, well, he won an event with a burn deck. I mean, you know, lol, lol, you know, he, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a really tough deck to play correctly. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and it, it was just funny that like when I would move to LA and uh, people would watch me play the burn deck and they would be like, you just play this deck so much better than anyone I have, I've ever seen like play this deck. And you're the only person that will pick it up and play it at every event you go to. Right. Um, I got like the, the nickname on like my the team I was playing with called the, the burn baby because <laughs> um, <laughs> of the, the baby face and, and, and playing the deck. But um, yeah, most people don't know this Roman 62. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I, I think that the majority of my like at least monetary success in Magic is attributed to the burn deck. Like it's it's definitely the deck that I have like been the closest. I I I've I think in the span of like a month, I lost two PTQ finals, um, which were very close, but they were with the burn deck. And right. I don't think I would have gotten there with a different deck, or if I had like just swapped with something I'd only been playing for a bit here and there. Um, I, I played like a an RCQ a few weeks ago where I lost in the finals to, to stupid Merfolk, but I hadn't touched my deck in like a year. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, I still got it. Like, <laughs> I know like the modern RCQ season is, is coming up at some point, and like I'm I'm just gonna play the deck that I know. And even though like people, I've I've had people on both sides tell me the deck is unplayable and the deck is good, <laughs> and I've I've played matchups where people have said the matchups unwinnable. And then I beat the, beat the match, and then they said it burns a bad matchup for me. Right. So I'm just going to keep doing, I'm just going to keep casting right, I'm going to ask you the, the, the question that always comes up when people talk about the deck. Is it a good matchup or a bad matchup against Death Shadow? I, so Mike will say it's like unlosable. Death Shadow's unlosable, <laughs> right? Yes. I, I think that if both players are in the know, it's very close. Right. Mike, I, Mike's, yeah. Mike's matchup analysis often relies on his opponent not being in the know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it, it, I think like that deck has kind of, you know, kind of fallen off and, you know, it's sad that like modern's change where a lot of the matches I like to play, decks I like to play against that are interesting just don't exist anymore. Sure. But I remember I played against uh, in, in a GP Oakland I was in the top eight of the PTQ, and I played against this guy named Jesse, who's from like from Philadelphia area. And I remember I played like a goblin guy on turn one, didn't attack. And he told me after the match, after I beat him, he's like, "That's when I knew like <laughs> you just like weren't the average burn player or something." Because um, just like didn't attack into like push and like gave him a card or you know, and, right, right, right. Like right. I helped his life total, gave him a card, and right. you know, just locked myself into a fatal push or whatever. Right, you're, um, I'm just going to use my mana here. <laughs> yeah, um, and I it was a it was a really really tight match because he he was a great player out of the deck and but you know I, I think he understood that I had played the matchup a bunch of times and I was following the Mike Flores school of how to approach it. That's awesome. Um, what what's one uh, if so, someone's grappling with burn and whatever like what's one lesson that you think is essential to that archetype? Um. 
I think patience is really important. Understanding how you're going to sequence all of your cards. I think I've, I think a, a lot of my losses playing Burn, um, where I had control over them, can be attributed to um, me not just me missequencing, either playing like the wrong spell at the right time, or trying to be I wasn't mana efficient, or I used my I sacrificed my land at the wrong point, or I, I fetched incorrectly. Um, there's a, a lot of just little things that can add up to a loss playing the deck. Right. So I think, I think what, what what's the best part about playing Burn is that your matches are over in like 20 minutes. You have know, 30, you have like 30 minutes to go relax and wander around right. the event hall or like get some food. But what what's a, a great thing about that is you have you have infinite time to to think through your plays and make the right decision. You, you don't have to play the deck, even though the deck's fast. You don't have to play fast. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that sometimes will get people where you're not just like, oh, Goblin Guy, and I'll bully you. And, Ray, bully you, go! <laughs> yeah. Um, but but understanding and, and playing, let's just having like your poker face and, and playing slow and methodically in, in a deck that just is throwing things at their face, right? right? I think that actually will play to your advantage a lot to, sure. to understand. Um, Mike, Mike always said, because we have no card draw outside of, you know, the, the sack land or whatever, um, you can't do anything about the sequence in which you draw your cards. It's all about how you sequence them. That's um, great. And that that's something that, that I think I've really tried to internalize playing the deck. And now, why isn't he dropping that knowledge on this podcast? <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, we haven't done it for three years. So. Yeah, I, I know. Um, <laughs> that's but, great. Yeah. I, I, like, I also like that idea about patience. And I, I think, you know, the more you play Magic, the better you get about Magic. In general, you find that, like, preserving your optionality on cards, right? Like, you know, it's, like, always always tempting to bolt the first thing that comes down, right? right? But, like, you know, what if you need to absolutely kill, you know, something two turns from now? And, yeah, there, there's just that, 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 that preserving those options as... While also using your mana efficiently, right? Like, is right. Is, you know, also don't want to die with cards in your hand. You don't want to like play slow enough where the match is going to be a draw, but you also want to. You should give yourself the extra few seconds if it's going to make have you make the better play. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let, let's talk about LA. You you move out to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, New, the New York Magic scene is is pretty cool, right? There's a there's a number of stores now again, and okay. and there's a, and you know there's stuff to do. Like you talk about going to the Uncommons, or people go to Montesi to draft, or people, you know, there's there's a bunch of. But what what was the LA scene like when you got out there? I was actually incredibly surprised that the LA scene was so large. Um, I think what what first struck me about LA when I moved out there was that there's a lot of pockets of players and they're all very disconnected. Um, there's a lot of stores, there's a lot of good Magic players, but you have people who are kind of in the Hollywood area, you have people down like in like the Orange County area, you have people in the Valley and, and surrounding. Um, Emerald Knights, right? Is, are they still there? That's actually like, that's the that's store that's actually in the closest proximity to me. Right, it's like near Pasadena-ish. Right, yeah, so I live in Burbank, so yeah. I literally- Oh, near Burbank, that's yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 so I, I can actually, I, I walk to Emerald Knights sometimes. Um, but there are some stores in Pasadena that I, I go to, and yeah. I drive in Pasadena at least like once a week, and it, it's awesome. Like I, I it, LA is, is, is great because there's just so many people, um, and um, I'll, I'll, I can kind of transition into like the limited community that we're, we're building Yeah, that's what, I want, that's what I want to hear about. Yeah, yeah, so um, 
during uh, so yeah, so I, I met a lot of people in LA. There's a lot of great there's a lot of great constructed players out there. Um, and notably, you know, Eli Loveman who won Pro Tour London, um, Chris Ferber who just top eight Pro Tour, uh, Frexia, all be one. Um, these are players that just, I, I'll, I'll see at events, and and we have and we we have a very strong strong player base out there. Yeah, well, um, I mean, LA really has earliest days magic cred. Yeah, right? like yeah. you know, Costa Mesa Women's Club mm-hmm. was um, you know a, a spot that would they would run events every weekend. You know, and so there was there was you know that was Scott Larrabee and Dan mm-hmm. Gray, and like. You know all the the old school California players, all the Brian Hackers and Chuck mm-hmm. Bowie's and uh, you know all that whole crowd and, and and Henry Stern and they all came out of that uh, that Costa Mesa scene. So you know very analogous to like the old New York neutral ground Gray Matter scene. Right. Right. You know so there's there's a very strong foundation and now people who've you know you have that base of people who you know no one ever quits. You know, people have been playing 30 years, so I think yeah, it spreads nicely. It, it all trickles down, and, and I think it's probably inspired a lot of players, and that's why there's such a big player yeah. base there now. I, I remember, you know, moving there, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm never going to play PPTQs. I'm only going to – I might not play Grand Prix at all. You know, no one no one plays Magic in Los Angeles, and there's just so many players. There's, <laughs> like, I, the, I moved to, to Burbank, and there's, what, like five stores within, like, a, a 10, 15-minute drive for me? Yeah. Um, and – yeah, there, there's, there's a lot. Um, so yeah, if you follow Matt Sperling, right? He's like, I'm gonna go play a CDH event. Sure. I'm go, yeah. I'm gonna go play this um, other event. During the pandemic, you know, things shut down. There weren't really any tournaments. I played. I actually remember I played in like an online. I don't remember what they were called, like Grand Prix, online Grand Prix things. You commentated a match with Reed Duke once. That yeah. was mine against. Yeah. Sam, oh Sam yeah, Dog. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so there, like, we had there were, there were some competitive. That's early. Events. That's early. That's like, that was like 2020. It has to be 2020 because I remember the apartment I was in. Oh yeah, yeah you know, because because I was like I, staring at a brick wall while I did it. I cast a bunch of arrows against a red deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I just remember like you were saying my name. I, I've like I have like I've gotten word that this is like Roman, and then reads like that's not Zacharuga is like that's whatever my arena username. Um, uh, but and. There weren't really any any tournaments to play. We're getting a Paul Chion, Marshall Sutcliffe drive-by <laughs> oh, on our podcast. podcast. Yeah, it's a Top 8 Magic podcast. You're going to have to edit this one out, sorry. <laughs> no, we're not editing. No, we're not. We're not cutting anything. Wait, are you bleeping that out too? No? Okay. I mean, we're 26 minutes in. We're, you know. No one's listening. We're talking about limited. It's great. I'll listen to it now. Um... Yeah, we're just sitting in the middle of the hall. Oh, the like, hall people are like the the broad day. By, by the way, Mar- Marshall Sutcliffe, Paul Chion, the greatest commentary team ever. Fantastic. Uh, I don't think any other pair uh, hits the heights they've hit. I, th- I think they are the gold standard for what you want when you when you watch it. Paul Paul is such an unbelievable. I mean, Marshall is fantastic at what he does and is is, is like you know his hands on the runner, but. Like Paul, if you listen to him, sets stuff up so beautifully. Yes, yes. And anticipates game states and ta- thinks about what could be on top, and when it's there, he pays it off. It's he's so good, and um, in a in a really understated way. I, I don't think people fully appreciate I, what 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 a joy it is to listen to them. Yeah, I love when Paul's like, "Look at this, Marshall! Like, do you see what's happening on the sports day?" Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, it's funny, Marshall at that uh, Vegas event that I was playing in, I was wearing a neutral ground shirt on, like, on the Friday, and he took a, he, like, him and Huey like, took a picture of me. Yes, I don't think they sent the, it to me. They sent it to me, okay, they sent it to me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I, I yeah, forgot they ever mentioned that to you. That's yeah. Roman. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm friends with him, guys. Like, I know him. And they were like, I don't know. I didn't say that, but I, I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, this is like, you know, he knows who I am. Like, <laughs> it is fucking his podcast. Um, That's funny. Um, so anyway, we're talking. Anyway, we're yeah. So, uh, so during the pandemic, I ended up playing a lot of limited on arena because that's what I had to play Magic. Yep. And I wasn't playing. I was I was kind of in Jersey for for part of it, and so when I get back to LA, and stores are still closed, but we're all getting vaccinated. Um, my friend Alex, who has like a great space like in North Hollywood, close to Burbank, um, we just go, why don't we just start doing house drafts? Right. Um, so we start getting drafts together. We start with like a Facebook group and like a, we like a Facebook messenger group and, and we get people, we get like six to eight people every week at his apartment drafting when there's no FNM to go to. Um, and then once like stores start opening up and people, more, more people start getting interested. And vaccinated. <laughs> And vaccinated, um, we we end up like making a Discord, and so one of the ideas that I present to him is, hey, when I was in New York, we had this thing called Team Draft League. It's a great way for people to kind of get together and, and, and make friends and meet new people, and you know, there's some friendly competition. What if we did that here? And you know, we we started in the Crimson Valley season where we had four, five teams, I think, and now we're in. So is it March of the Machine? Yeah. We have 10 teams. So so what does that entail? You talk about teams. I think people, uh, you're just talking about team drafting? Yeah, so the way... So, it, so explain that. So the way, the, way, the way it worked in New York was that so they, they, they had team draft league. Team draft is essentially where you have a team of three, play against another team of three. You sit at a table, um, you alternate, you know, team A person, team B person. So you're always passing to an enemy, a game passed to by an enemy. Um, so you, you know, draft three packs like normal. Um, after the draft's over, you go over with your teammates, your you know your, your deck. You, you cannot share cards on them, and then you, then you sit down and you play. And then play. you have to admit to what you pass. Yeah, admit to what you pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I passed this rare, but this uncommon was really good for my deck. You know, or I hated it, whatever. Um, and then you play uh, matches of magic as normal against the opposing team, and the first team to five match wins right. wins the whole right. out of thing. nine potential matches um, that you can play. There yeah. are some rules that differ here and there. I know. Um, in New York, we were not allowed to help our teammates. In LA, we we've allowed that role. Um, so we, we we can ask, which is you know is what we can do at a Grand Prix or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's it's after that it's it's pretty similar. So in New York, how it worked was that we had different teams. You would have a league where you would you know have a set number of matches in a season for whatever new set is released. Um, you would play your matches, and they're they're usually a cut to a top four. And then you would play for the top four would play for cash prizes. Right. T- TDL was pretty large, right? Like that was. It, it was. Um, we we had. I think the first season I played of, of Team Draft League in New York, we had um, around twelve teams. Okay. And my first season was actually the the season that I won. Um, it was really great. I, I ended up teaming with with two guys, Matt London and, and Colin Bevis, who were just people I sort of met. Like Matt was an NYU alum who was living in New York and. Colin was like an inspiring actor at the time and played magic and you know I, I needed a team and we just crushed um, but awesome. you know I, I, I can't remember if Finkel was in the league at all or if Jamie 
Jamie think, was. I think Jamie might have been, but I yeah. think so because because yeah. um, Longo was in the team, Andrew Longo, and he was roommates with Jamie at the time. They had the, the dojo, yeah, uh, right by right, right around the corner from Tish. Um, this is their apartment where we played a bunch of our matches. Um, and that, that, it was a great experience for me when I, because it was, you know, I, I joined Team Draft League in my second year of NYU, and I met a ton of great Magic players, you know, people that were great at Limited, learned a lot from them. And so in LA, I proposed this idea to um, our, now the commissioner of Team Draft League, Alex, and um, we sort of hit the ground running, and it's, it's doing fantastic. We, we have this Discord called LA Limited, so if any listeners are, are in LA, you know, please, please reach out to me. Um, but we have like 200 or 250 people in this Discord. That's Not all awesome. of them are like local to LA. Right, but, they, we're, we're, but we're, they're just excited to talk about Limited. Yeah, and we have like, it's a really great outlet for people to talk about the format. You know, we, we do like house drafts at like a brewery um, like every Sunday in Burbank. Yep. Um, we, we coordinate like what pre-release events, what RCQs we're going to, um, like carpooling. Um, so for me, you know, I, I one thing I, I thought about LA when I moved there, I think I mentioned this earlier, was that it's a, there's a lot of pockets of players, because it's all spread out, um, but they're not connected in any meaningful way. Right. Where in New York, you have such a great public, I love, I, I hate LA, I love New York. I, I <laughs> such a great public transport system and, and everyone is just so much more connected that way because you're right. all kind of stuck in the smaller space. Right. With, well, in yeah. LA, everybody's spread out. Yeah. And, and in New York, everyone's stacked on top of each other. Exactly. LA, there's no, you know, really great public transport system. Traffic is horrendous. But at least, I mean, and that's why a lot of our, our, our um, Discord and, and League is kind of valley-based. It's like Hollywood and, and valley-based because it's just the easiest for people to c- commute to. But we're trying to expand more to, like, south of Hollywood, basically. Um, but it, it's been it's been fantastic to see like we we were at a store you know a few weeks ago that had a twenty four person draft at the M. I've never seen that before. That's awesome. I, I mean, maybe at the uncommons we had like three yeah, pods. Mont- Montesi would Mont- Montesi would get that. Yeah, Montesi would, Montesi get that. would fire like, multiple pods of eight over and over. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've seen a pod of at least a, a, a twenty four person draft at the M. Even since I moved to LA. Yeah. Um, you know, granted, pandemic was a couple. Yeah, took yeah. Took away from that. Yeah. A little but, dent in it. Um, and the majority of those players were people that we knew. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, I'm I'm very proud of the work that we've done to bring that That's awesome. together. Yeah. I, I, I really sincerely love that. Yeah, yeah. I do. It's, uh, it's something I think about a lot, right? You know, I think, you know, people try to divide magic up into casual and competitive. And I think that um, casual is a terrible way to describe uh things that are not the pro tour (laughs) (laughs) you know um i I think i love social uh social play as a way to describe it and like because i know the team draft league in new york obviously a very much uh, a social form of play i don't think you could qualify it as competitive because it's not leading anywhere it's not on a track to something no but social but man that was a highly competitive league Right, yes. like in terms of like lowercase c, right? Like, uh, and you know, I'm sure the same thing with your with your uh, L.A. draft leagues. Right. And you know, it's it's like people. It's very like people very much want to win. They want to be on top. You 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 know the pride in your voice when you talk about winning a TDL season. Like people can't see the smile, but you like your face like lights up when you say that. Yeah. Because it's like this great 
thing and you know what an accomplishment it is and something, you know, a bragging right you hold over your friends. Oh, for so, sure. Like, we, we had our, the second season of the league that we did was Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And in the league, I mean, we had like five teams. But I think so. I played 12 matches and I went undefeated. And that was like, you know, for me, it was just I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I get the format. I'm, I, you know, I'm great. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy that like our team, you know, did well. And, and it was just a great experience for, for, us to kind of solidify ourselves in like the, the upper bracket of the team. So it, it's it's a great way, I think, for for players who are coming from different backgrounds and skill levels to kind of get the experience to play against different teams and, and learn from that. Um, and, we you know, we, we've had some rough beats. Like, we we lost, I think, in the, the semis of the last season, which was Phyrexia. And, you know, we're like 1-1 right now. And, you know, so people are, are getting better. And, and right. we're... We're like, you know, like, oh, okay, we got to, we're not as <laughs> confident as we was, you know, back back when we had like five teams and we're, you know, just taking everyone, everyone's money. Um, <laughs> well, that, so, I mean, this is when people, if you've ever heard people talking about money draft right. uh, in the past, this is the format essentially that is yes. the most commonly utilized for money drafts. Yes. Right, where we're, two teams will just play, they'll draft, there's like this, you know, meta game of drafting and like trying to, screw the person to your left into like colors you want them to be into and you know and leave your leave leave someone the best player with the worst deck on that team uh-huh, uh-huh. all that stuff so um just when you know when you, when you make that joke i mean that's just i mean i'm thinking about money draft no in my it, head it's when funny because it. this is this is sort of that you know watered down to an extent but that that is you know at its core we, at the end of the day we, we still are paying money for this right we're not yeah. just like hanging out and cracking some packs. You know, we want to... Does the winning team take the cards? No, we don't do that. Well, <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. Some people, you know, I think... The thing is, I feel like a lot of our players are don't come from that background as much, and they're, sure. they're a little newer, so, you know, that's something that we we kind of leave up to the teams if if they want to do that, you know, the options there. I wouldn't mind doing that, but at the end of the day, I think we're more social than, than competitive, but there is still that competitive vibe of, like, you know, we're... My team, my, my team and I will always, we have like team meetings we'll talk about at the start of the season. You know, we'll rank the cards and we'll go through some drafts and we'll we'll go through um, a bunch of um, like 17 lands, like kind of data and, and we'll talk yeah. about it and kind of extrapolate, you know, stuff from that to how we're going to draft in the season or, you know, and we have it under, and it's, it's cool. I think what's great about the league too is that you, you kind of get to learn about your teammates and what, what cards they their bias towards and what they sure. like and you know you can actually set them up for you know failure or success that way by how you draft in the pot as well right right um which is which is you know a, a something that you're not going to get out of playing like an eight person draft or whatever but you know overall I, I think it's a great way for people to improve at limited to to get more out of um this format that they they love and right. I'm, I'm i'm glad that at the end of the day you know why i do i do like to win and i, I wanted to win drafts um it's just a great way for for people to to get to know each other and, right. and meet and i'm what, what i'm more concerned about now is i would like this league to just mirror new york as much as possible and alice has done a great job of being the commissioner and and saying all this stuff up and um helping coordinate and i'm just i'm happy that like it we're at like 10 teams which is you know mirroring what we the average amount of teams that we had in New York when I was playing it, at least. Right. So I'm glad that I've been able to at least contribute to bring that experience to to L.A. 
think Autumn just won a match. Awesome. Good for, good for them. Uh, unless, unless her opponent was gloating and applauding for himself. <laughs> I just hugged it out. So, <laughs> so um, have you ever done a team draft tournament? That's actually a really good idea. We, we have it. I'll, I'll, lead... I'll give you a format for it. Okay, go on. So if you have, you, can, you obviously need the right number of teams. So, you know, it has to be eight or 16 teams okay. to start. So you, you're going to end with one team winning, right, cleanly. And the way you do it is everybody signs up by bringing two, each team signs up by bringing two draft sets to the table. Okay. Okay. So now you have however many pairs of people, right, and they play. Uh, and then the losing team hands their extra draft set off to the winning team. So basically you ensure that there's always, uh, people always have product to draft with oh, moving interesting. forward. Okay. And so, and then, you know, we used to do this at neutral ground actually, and it was winner take all. So you would take all the winner, winning team would take all the cards all the way up the bracket. So, those so all the loose cards, like all the drafted cards and all the pack. So in the end, you end up with, you know, and you know an extra set of cards. And But then all the all the cards that were drafted So, so the, the only prize, basically, is the winning team just gets everything. Yes. That's really cool. I. So in L.A., we've done, like, we've tried to figure out a, an extra event to add for every set, release that's separate from Team Draft. So we've, we've done two events now that were just, we call them the uh, L.A. Discord limited discord showdown yeah and we'll it was we had a dominaria united one and a phyrexia one and they're just essentially like we had they're both like around the like 24 person events like sealed copy draft um but i i we we, we didn't do one for this season because we're we, scheduling was kind of tight and we're, we're trying to figure out what, what the best way to make an event for our community is um we've thought about doing like a draft open where we do but this is kind of tricky because you need the right number of people for it. Like, uh, you know, three pods and then you, like, or six round tournament, you draft twice, then it's cut the top of draft. Right. The logistics are kind of awful. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. If we want to make it competitive, we got to do like the, the deck reg and stuff and get a judge. But probably what, you know, I think going forward, we probably wouldn't do anything like comp barrio. We'll just be like, no one, no, yeah. one, no one be, yeah. be mean. I don't know. Like, no, <laughs> just, just play like a. Just be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you, you can do this even with weird number teams because with passing the packs up. So if you so if you start, you have an eight-person bracket, then you have, like, two extra teams and someone's getting the buy. You uh -huh. know, you you just you, – because you're passing packs up. It, it ends up working out perfect. Right. But, so uh, you would need, like, eight teams, you think? Eight teams, but, but uh, yeah, four teams is probably fine, right? It's just a fun thing to do with a play group. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think eight teams is, like, a cool – a cool event with like a neat prize you know what i mean like the if you do it with the card pool so then there'd be three drafts total is that uh yeah yeah okay. yeah cool. yeah that i think that'd be actually a really cool idea that's something i would love to present to the league and i think what'd be cool about it is that like people could maybe team up with people they haven't played with before or yeah you know if it's all like in one yeah anyone, one can, space. Just, anyone can just sign up with whatever team they want right like yeah, yeah. that's a great idea you know i wonder how i don't know how people be, would feel about just like I gotta give away all my cards. They open. It's, it's still something I'm trying to get. I'm trying to, you know, sell. Yeah, well, people, you can. You but. can just do. I mean, you could. You could do something, right? You can have people 
you know, and we, you know and, and basically put up some extra packs. Yeah, we, 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 we do, like, these brewery drafts. Like people are weird. Once you open the cards, they're like, oh, there was that great rare. There. Yeah, Like, if yeah. it's a closed pack, they don't care as much. Um, when we do, like, these brewery drafts, um, we, we, everyone, we do, like, everyone keeps their cards. We do, like, chaos, or we'll yeah. do, like, someone brings a box of a set. We just have people just anti a pack or anti yeah. two packs or something. Yeah, yeah. And we'll figure out the breakdown from it, there. It, it's so funny. So you know the the New York group of players, like you know, we we've been drafting forever and we'll do stuff. And I've noticed this real shift as Wizards has included more premium cards in booster packs, more versions. And oh like, yeah. You know, and the list and the you know whatever. And so like we we did a draft recently for with with March of March of the Machine. And people were like, well, what if instead, you know, we've always been super cat, like, ah, and the winning team takes all the cards or, you know, whatever. And then everyone's like, well, what if, what if I could protect one card in the pack? <laughs> you know, like suddenly there's just like a little more on the line in every booster pack. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Well, I mean, um, like this, say, okay, like someone opens like a $50 Rakuvan. Right. 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 Well, that was, I think the example that was. Used. Yeah, sure. Like a foil one or whatever. Um, I mean, there, I mean, there are Saren sets recently were like. I feel like a lot of Saren sets have just had, like, the cards aren't that expensive, but there's, like, one card that's, like, yeah. the $50 card There, there have been some great um, backstage coverage draft fights over the years. Really? Over, you know, when, you know, everyone's cool to do a draft. I mean, it's just like, free product that you get for just, you know, being around the, the, the Pro Tour, but people are like, you know, a Jace the Mind Sculptor got opened, and now everyone's salty about, you know, yeah. who gets the cards. And I'm not going to name names, though. But uh, <laughs> NATO. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some great, like, you know, or there's a draft where it's lousy and there's just one card that someone wants, and you know, right, right. You know, people get people get salty once the once the once the cat is out of the box. You know, it's like so. But uh, that's awesome. So what, what's uh, what, what's your Sunday here at the PT at the Magic Con gonna be. What are you gonna do once we're? Um, you're gonna go edit this. So funny enough, go back to your room. No, edit. no. I, I, I do have my laptop with me, but no. I'm gonna. I'll work on this on, on Monday or, or Tuesday. Um, I actually was gonna money trap with some people. I know my friend Chris was walking around. Um, and oh, was he? Was he the guy who just kept kept uh, drive buying here? He was like sitting same kind of behind us because I think maybe he found someone to money draft. Um, but we were in a money draft with some people in the, that were in the PT. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if that's happening still or not. It's, you know, kind of, I'm trying to kind of figure out what, what my, my day is going to be the, like. The euphemism, by the way, because we were never allowed to say money drafting on coverage, because oh. we would say late night drafting. Late night drafting. Late night drafting. The, 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 the coverage secrets. <laughs> you can find them all here on uh, Top 8 Magic. Um, oh, I did, I, did, we, I did want to loop back to, before we end, like the, the March of the Machine trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going kind of full circle now um but yeah i was fortunate one of the reasons why i came was you know the, the victory lap and um I, I gotta tell everyone like i i worked on the march of the machine trailer because it's the first you know magic thing that i've worked on right um it was a, a great experience i got so basically what i did for the trailer is you know we we have pretty quick turnarounds working on them and um my basically my, my boss was like oh we have like a week to do this you know, I have a very short time period. Can you, in like two days' time, can you just like pick, like pick out like a couple sections of the trailer that you want to design, um, basically design the sound effects for, and then hand them off to me, and then I'll basically let you know if like they make it in or not, or I'll I'll do I'll work on them and see if they match what I'm working on, and right, maybe right. they'll become um, they'll become um, 
part of the, the finished product. Mm -hmm. So for the trailer, um, if you've, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's a, I, I got to basically pick out like some moments of, uh, for, for Elspeth, which is one of my favorite Planeswalkers. So basically the moment where Elspeth uh, enters in and saves Karn, the moment where she jumps up and has this like lightning attack that hits a bunch of Phyrexians, and then at the end where she kind of charges up her sword at Elishnorn. So those are the three moments I chose for for um, the the trailer. So basically I designed a bunch of kind of like whooshing and, and lightning and magic effects. It's hard to, like, to talk about when I'm not doing <clears throat> it it in practice because it, it's this basically this process of like finding um going through the sound effects library and finding kind of what works and it's a lot of trial and error of what works and so and it's, work. it's almost like when you see uh you know like old things about like people working on radio dramas and they're like they've got a pair of shoes and they're walking and making that sound and so sure. but, but you have it all like in, in, it, a, yeah. in, a, in a library to work so, from. so we part of the, that is part of the process so we actually have a company that we outsource to and they they record on like on a, on a stage those sort of effects so oh, like cool. for example like elspeth's wings um she's you know an archangel in the trailer um that was all recorded a lot of that those effects were recorded on a stage by a company that we, we work with um, that that's part of the process. The like the Phyrexian kind of uh, octopus-looking guys that fly around and have like those weird vocalizations. Um, our designer in Seattle worked on those and did all the design for that. Elspeth sort of like aura and magical ambient sort of effects were done by um, my friend Cassidy. Um, and then like Elish Norn has this like very special vocal processing that was the same we used for the Phyrexia All Be One trailer. So my coworker Cesar is like a he works primarily on on dialogue and vocals and he did all the, the design for that awesome. so it's a cool and then for me it was um for elspeth a lot of the lightning and um magic attacks that she does in in the trailer so the big moment that i worked on the most was when um elspeth sort of like her eyes light up and her wings kind of pop out and she jumps up and like lightning attacks like, like five phyrexians at once or something and when you can hear that in the trailer that's like the majority of the what you're hearing is Pretty much all my stuff that's awesome yeah it, it was fantastic where i you know I, I passed off my design after a couple days to the to patrick our lead mixer and i was hope i was optimistic some would make it in but you know based on there's a lot of factors where you know watsy might want more music mixed in over effects or dialogue is taking is more important at this part and right. it's kind of we just i just designed to um the temp voiceover we have and and yeah, to, you get a creative brief, and you're, you're right. Kind of yeah, I'm, I'm designed to like an older version of like, I, I, so not the final version of the video or whatever. And, um, but I was so the, the moment where Elspeth sort of comes in and saves Karn was the moment where a lot of my design actually got taken out because um, some of it didn't, you know didn't work, but a lot of it was because that's a very big dialogue and music moment. Right. Where Elspeth sort of um, she has like this dialogue over voiceover work that's prominent there. Um, but when Elspeth like jumps up and does this huge like lightning attack, that's a lot of my my design where I wanted to kind of create this like really great lightning attack. But you also heard like the disintegration of like these Phyrexians as they're getting hit and they're like getting torn to torn to shreds and stuff. Awesome. Um, and that la and then later on where she kind of charges up with her sword, um, that's a lot of like my, my electrical and lightning effects and whooshing where she goes towards 
right. I, I want I want some effects in this podcast. I want some <laughs> I want some yeah. effects. Um, I could I mean, maybe I'll, I'll cut in like I'll, a few <laughs> seconds from the trailer where we can we can hear it or. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so it was a really cool experience to work on work on that. It's funny. I actually, let, me, let me ask you a question. How yeah. many pe- just on your from your like sound team, right? Like, uh-huh. like how many people touch that trailer? It's. I, I couldn't give you the exact number, but so uh, an aside, I actually um, was able to um, buy. I bought shirts for my whole team that worked in it, that are at least in the LA area, based on um, my company was going to re- reimburse before, which is super cool. Because I'm like, I want to get these shirts for at the MagicCon because we all worked on it. Yeah. So we have Patrick, who's our our main like designer and re-recording mixer, who's doing he's and he's, he does all the trailers. So you have me as an, like, an assistant designer, basically. Um, this, my friend Cassidy, who's a designer, Cesar, who's doing like design and, and, and dialogue, um, Sam, who is doing design and vocalization for like the creatures and stuff. Um, we have people that we, out, that we outsourced for the Foley. We have um, our studio host, Megan, who is helping out with coordinating and coordinating all of the uh, uh, voiceover recording sessions. We have um, Dan, and I'm blanking on the other guy's name. We have another engineer. This who is are, like more than a dozen people. Yeah. And this is just on just this it, is just on the sound just portion. Just on, just on the sound that. team. That's, so there's so many people. Yeah, and, and this is not including like people who are helping with like scheduling or in whatever. There, there's and, and oh, there's also a whole music team that coordinates with um, a composer, and then this whole group in Nashville that's recording this on like the music on a stage. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm my department that I'm in, or, you know, I'm doing some design work, but I'm also kind of helping out with like the file transfers and, and stuff for this. Yeah. And it's a lot of back and forth. Anyways, but yeah, it, it's around, I don't know, a dozen to two dozen people that are just yeah, that's, apart, that's, touching the audio process in some way. It's so crazy. It's something that's like, you know, what is it? Uh, is it a minute long, the whole? Yeah, two seven, minutes long Yeah, two something. minutes long, yeah. And then it's, it goes, and like when you factor in then the animators and you fact, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah, so crazy exactly. how many people will end up, uh, you know, doing something that is that is so you know right. such a such and, a and, and think, and it's all. a moment, right? It's like something people always remember. They always go back to those cinematics. But it's it is crazy to me when you think about uh-huh. it. Uh huh. I got to sit in actually for um, a, a bit for the recording session for Ella Shinora for that trailer. Um, the voice actress, her name is uh, Lila Burzen. She's a, a great voice actress. But um, it was cool that we kind of sit in and watch like people from Watsi, you know, over Zoom, like give direction and talk about yeah. like Ella Schnorn and and Lila they just had a, such a great internalization of Ella Schnorn so when she's in the booth she's like reap the world I'm, I'm like raising my arms right now you can't, you can't see it but I'm, I'm raising my arms and kind of trying to embody Ella Schnorn but when you know you're not just going to a booth and just saying a couple of lines right you're really like internalizing this this character and um and taking direction but you know you're trying to um, bring it this character to life, and that's a whole other part of the, part of the process itself. Is it just actors? You know, even though the the whole trailer has maybe like ten lines in it or something, right. that's a huge, hugely important part to it. Right. That's awesome. I, I'm so I'm so happy for you, Roman. That's such an exciting uh, piece of your professional journey. Yeah. Uh, it, really, really, and really exciting when the, when you can sort of like collide those two, like this thing that you're so passionate about, magic, and then this thing that you're doing, which is, is sound design. So uh, we're very, very happy for you. Really excited. And, and, and thank you so much for uh, doing the pot, sitting in for Mike today. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Anytime. So, all right. So this is Brian David Marshall. Roman, Roman Fusco. Fusco uh, top 8 Magic. 
Thanks so much for listening, and uh, go, go edit this now. <laughs> I guess I will.